The following podcast contains amazing life advice, positive reinforcement, and good vibes. Masks are optional but not required, and social distancing of at least six feet from your device is recommended for best audio quality. Hey guys, welcome back to Through the Lens. I'm Shreyak and I like chatting with interesting people doing interesting things. And my guest today is someone I've had the privilege of working with directly and learning so, so much from MJ. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Shreyak. Welcome to be a part of it. I'm so, so excited that you're here. How, how are you doing? How has the, the lockdown life been for you? Have you been um, like picking up anything new, getting back to old hobbies? How's it been going? It's going well. I mean, I feel like now everyone's settling into this new normal. Um, for me, as you know, my husband and I had planned a, a few months uh, traveling in Europe as soon as the pandemic hit. <laughs> so for us, it was a, a bit of a bummer to have to come home and uh, and sort of get back to to reality a little bit. But there's been tons of change and lots of excitement in both of our lives over the past year. So um, it's been a nice distraction with um jobs and got a house and so now we're just trying to enjoy every minute of it that's that's great and it's it's good that it's good that you're able to you like you're you're keeping busy during the during the lockdown with a whole bunch of different changes um but let's let's jump right in you know tell us tell us a little bit uh for folks who may not know what what about you and what you you currently do yeah, so um, my name is MJ Levitan, and I am a senior director at a company called Mind Beacon. And uh, really, Mind Beacon is all about providing easy access to affordable mental health care uh, in Canada and uh, slowly beyond as well. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride since since I joined, and I joined the company back in September of last year. So. Uh, now fully settled into the role and, and the, um, the, the chaos that is a, a company uh, new to the public environment. So we just went public um, earlier this year. So it's been an interesting experience so far. Nice. And, and um, from, from what I understand, um, you're, you're currently heading up the, the product strategy um, team. Is that right? Yeah, so that's maybe, correct. Yeah, awesome. So maybe, do you want to break down um, for for those maybe who maybe don't really know much about it, but fully understand what what does product strategy really mean, or what it's what it's really all about? Yeah, it's an interesting question because as I've learned in the role so far, it really is interpreted so differently from a lot of people I speak to, both within the company and out of the company. And when I joined Mind Beacon, there really was no. Um, product strategy function. So uh, it's really been a, a bit of inventing it as I go, which has been a, a great opportunity. But uh, really, the focus of product strategy is more so outward facing and thinking about the market, thinking about uh, competitors, thinking about how our suite of services fits into the broader corporate strategy, and then driving that into execution. So uh, at a company like Mind Beacon, we have really three core pillars of our business. We have our commercial team, we have our clinical team, and we have our technical team, which is um, uh, part of the, with engineers and, and designers. 
And uh, really my role is to bring them all together and make sure that we're all in lockstep and and operating well together and uh, really driving forward what we hope to accomplish and what our mission is for uh, for the company. So to sum that up, MJ, would you describe your role as, as one of wearing many hats? Yeah, it is a role of wearing many hats. Uh, and it's funny because when I was, you know, starting to think about what next steps were for me before I came to Mind Beacon, I was trying to articulate what it is that I really enjoyed most about my my role prior when I was at Think Research. And really, it was wearing many hats. And that's where you and I work together, of course. And I loved that so much. And I was trying to think about what a role could look like for me uh, as a next step where I would still be able to wear different types of hats and uh, work with different types of stakeholders internally and externally and that's really so core to the role that I found myself in and uh, you know really understanding what the clinical operations side uh, looks like and how to scale hundreds of of therapists across the country and thinking about how to implement tools that fit and, and seamlessly integrate in their workflows and then at the same time you know working hand in hand with the marketing team and how we're positioning what we do and, and our services and uh, thinking about all sorts of go-to-market strategies as part of the broader commercial efforts and then really working um, closely with the technical side as well in, in how we uh, want to bring some of these things to fruition and how to make sure all of those pieces fit together. So it is certainly a role of wearing wearing many hats. I'm, I'm curious, MJ, in... in, in kind of scoping that out as far as like understanding that that's something that you liked and and then taking that and um, looking for or seeking out what that maybe next step or next opportunity is. How did you, how did you go about conducting that search? Because I, I would, I I would, if I were to kind of take the other side of this, like I would think not very many roles like that exist with, with that level of ambiguity. It's kind of been a theme of my whole career up to this point in that I never really aligned to one particular role or job description on paper. And I've, I've always found myself in these roles where I'm, I'm kind of um, inventing it as I go along. So uh, dating back to really the, the uh, first role I had uh, following my, uh, my master's degree at CAMH when I was juggling a whole bunch of, uh, of different projects as part of the global health team and, and really for the first time getting a sense for what it means to manage and implement and execute uh, different types of research projects in international settings. And so even at that point, you know, I didn't really know what role I was pursuing. Um, and uh, then, you know, moving on from there with you know, the work I was doing at Think Research, it was the same. And then as I found myself in this role, um, it was really just um, good timing. It was, a, uh, I was connected to someone, uh, the CEO actually uh, at Mind Beacon, who happened to be looking for someone um, that could wear many hats. And uh, they didn't really have pen to paper yet on the role that they wanted to fill. And so it was very much um, an opportunity for me to think about how I could best contribute and, and to see if there was alignment there. And so part of it is, is you know, being op- opportunistic and seeing what, what comes your way. And then if that works for you and thinking about not necessarily what types of... Um, you know, standard 
roles that you see in industry, but really kind of being driven and propelled forward by the energy of the people you're talking to and the spaces that you're interested in and the problems that you're looking to solve. So for me, that's really always driven the decisions that I've made about my career rather than the role um, in isolation from those things. It's always been interest first and kind of intrigue first and then role with secondary to those things. Um, you can really shape the role to what you enjoy most and what you're, you're best suited for. And so you have that opportunity to kind of, you know, make it into what you want it to be. But outside of that, I think, you know, I would always encourage joining into, into new roles uh, and having that opportunity to really shape it. And I think that's kind of a perfect segue, MJ, into maybe walking us through what a typical day in the life at work looks like for you right now. Um, yeah, it's a funny question because I feel like at, at mine, we can no day is the same um but as you can um probably imagine there's a lot of uh post-it notes that are scattered across my (laughs) desk and a whiteboard right behind me so uh you know it's difficult obviously being a remote worker and not getting the chance to collaborate in in person with some of my team members and and really brainstorm and and think through some problems. Um, So it is a lot of back-to-back meetings with that kind of energy and that kind of flavor behind it, but that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges of being in a product strategy role remotely because it is so much, you know, thinking and and, um, working through new ideas and bouncing new ideas off of other people. Um, So that's the part that I, I really do miss, but outside of that it's it's you know a lot of uh firefighting for uh for lack of a better term uh being at a tech company there's there's always uh you know something to to work on through the day that you didn't anticipate from the day before uh so that's a big component of it and then really just being being there and being available for my team so i've got uh a lot of great team members um working with me on product strategy and so um a lot of what i do is just making sure that they have everything that they need to really uh focus and and prioritize on what they need to prioritize on and unblock any barriers for them and and with that said mj do you think there are any misconceptions that you've encountered about the kind of work that you do or have done and um if there are what are what are those misconceptions i think one of the first misconceptions I would say about product strategy is that you don't necessarily need to have a formal background in product in order to do product strategy. And yeah. I, I've never had a, a formal product management role before. Um, I've done a lot of work with product managers <laughs> and I've acted probably as a product manager in a lot of respects. Oh yeah. But um for for me and thinking about product strategy and, and one of the things that I've really come to recognize and appreciate uh, even even in the last few months is that product strategy isn't really about the tangibles. It's more about the intangibles for me and that you know there's the there's the technology component to it, which is much more of, of for me what the technical uh, product management side is. But for product strategy it's really more about Uh, business drivers and market drivers and thinking about how to productize 
different elements of the business that some might be technology, some might not be technology, some might be clinical service delivery and figuring out ways to productize clinical service delivery or figuring out ways to productize some of the um, content that we offer and how we deliver that content at scale to you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of people. Um, part of it might be in their uh, service design and how we're actually working with our clients in troubleshooting. So, of course, a big component is the technology and, and the, the delivery tools that we have available to us. But um, I think a big misconception is really what is the product uh, <laughs> that you're strategizing. And a lot of, depending on your perspective, if you come from the tech space, I think you're you're more often uh, associating the product with the technology, um, but if you're working with uh, with people more on the business side, then there's so many different ways in which you can interpret what product actually means, and so it can be a bit of a, a loaded term. So I think there's a lot of different ways to really um, recognize or uh, appreciate what product strategy is all about, and so it becomes you know such a big big task to really think about how you want to define your products uh, and and how does that strategy that you're crafting become that umbrella across all of these um, these tools at your disposal that's that's a really that's a really awesome way of putting it actually MJ let's maybe now dig in actually a little bit more to I'm gonna take two more steps back now you you talked a lot earlier about how you've um, sh- shaped your own career really and how you've had the opportunity by virtue of, uh, of being in a lot of roles where you've had to wear many hats and juggle a lot of things. If you had to give any advice to maybe young professionals or students coming out of school at, in, in similar positions who want to kind of shape the, shape their careers in, in a certain way and focus more, like you said, on interests more than um, a defined role, what would be your advice to them to, to get started? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would always say follow your interests. Um, I think for me, it it worked out quite well. So uh, that's that's usually what I say to people when when they're looking for advice about next steps in their career and really thinking about, um, you know, following your your own passions and and seeing where that gets you. Of course, you know, that's not always going to be a success story for people. So beyond just following your interests, I think, you know, you've got to always figure out a way to get your foot in the door of organizations and focus less on, um, you know, as I mentioned, what the ideal role is and more so on where you're trying to, to grow and what every opportunity will present itself to you. So what will present uh, to you. So I think there's a lot of merit to even just getting your foot in the door somewhere. And, you know, when I first joined CAMH, my first role was was not one that, you know, I naturally would have gravitated to. And it was in a research role uh, in a different department. Um, but I knew it would be a foot in the door. And I and then I, as soon as I got there, I had my sights set on, on uh, the global health unit and made sure I had the, the uh, introductions to the person that led up that unit. And then as soon as a role became available, I was kind of, you know, first to put my hand up and uh, I think that was really what what kind of catapulted me forward in in really understanding that you know sometimes the rules aren't really written for you and you have to make them up yourself and and kind of trust that relationships come first yeah and so that's probably the 
the other piece of advice is that you know you can't wait around for these roles to present themselves to you there mm-hmm. is such a strong value to having a network yep and not just a you know kind of loose network of of connections you might have but really pursuing people that you want to be in your network and figuring out a way to stay connected with them so that when the right opportunity comes along at the right time you come to their mind well said well said and 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 what i and i love that what you a lot of what you mentioned are um or at least what i would think of as as soft skills in in a way i mean they're not kind of like technical skills or anything that you would have needed to 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 know but maybe let, let's let's take that approach now if, if or that lens on this i mean if if you had to name one or two kind of hard skills for lack of a better word that maybe you think helped earlier on in your career kind of catapult or propel you forward um what would those be and why yeah i think for me it was always around creative problem solving like Mm -hmm. that was always my mo in whatever role i was in it was usually in something that hadn't been done before that was i i always found myself doing projects that were more on the sort of innovation side that didn't have a lot of precedent and required a lot of really um difficult uh creative solutioning and, and figuring out how to make something work with a lot of moving pieces at the same time so uh, for me, it's, it was always about, you know, how to, how to work on um, identifying, you know, what problems you're trying to solve, how to solve them, um, and, and this might be more of the softer skill side, but how to really influence change. Yeah. And so for, for me, even in the role that I'm in now, it's, you know, to, to build a strategy and a vision is one thing, but to really understand how to put that strategy into action and execute is a, is a whole other story and you know you can put and you know me i like to put slides together and, yeah. and you know a fully articulated uh, well thought through plan and you know that's that's a strength area for me for sure is building those um those uh sort of problem definitions and, and articulating really what that vision looks like but you know having that ability to influence is uh, just as important as any technical skills around, um, you know, how you're coming up with those solutions or, you know, really, you know, going through workflow mapping or, or any of those types of skills that might support you, but really figuring out how to, um, how to get people excited about an idea that you think is important is probably like the number one skill to be successful in, in any role. I'm wondering though, I'm gonna like take five steps back now. If you had to think back to when you were kind of first getting started, getting your foot in the door, did you ever, I'm gonna flip it on, did you ever consider um, maybe an alternate career path um, early on in, in your academic or, or school life? And if, if you did, why did you decide not to pursue it? Yeah, so early on in my career, I was, um, as I mentioned, in more of a research role. And even mm-hmm. when I was working in that global health context, it was still for the purpose of research. And almost all of the people I worked with at the time were either pursuing their PhD or already PhDs. And my manager at the time was was strongly encouraging me to go for a PhD. <laughs> and, you know, I took it really, really 
close and you know was interviewing all sorts of potential supervisors and you know trying to think about what a thesis could be and I knew I wanted to do a PhD in the the fields of public health which is what I did my master's in and I was really close to pulling the trigger and I decided against it and that's when I um it's around the same time that I realized I probably don't belong in the public sector in the (laughs) world of research and academia and that's when I made the shift to more of the the private um, and business side of healthcare, but um, why I didn't pursue it for me is the same reason really as, as why I left my, um, uh, why I left that, that scope of, of the role in the public sector is really just for me, the, the pace uh, was something that I, I really wanted to, um, I wanted to be in an environment where, you know, there was it felt like every day was you know full of of opportunity and it wasn't a nine to five kind of structure and there was that you know tenacity um and drive and I I certainly found that in the work that I was doing uh to some degree at that point in my life but um I wanted to see what it was like on the other side where you know the tolerance for risk was a little bit different the appetite for innovation was a little bit different and the pace was just a little bit faster. And Mm -hmm. so um, I knew that if I stayed in research or academia, it just, um, I would be really intellectually satisfied because I'd always loved just like taking a topic and understanding it and researching it and, um, and publication writing and manuscript writing was something that I really loved at the time and I could see myself doing that and going down that road but it just uh, it, uh, it I knew that I wanted to see something a little bit more tangible and, and those real world impacts from some of the work that I was doing outside of the context of what could be studied. As soon as you said like you were considering a PhD I'm like oh man the, the world missed out on a Dr. MJ Levitan <laughs> but we got MJ the product strategy maven instead which is amazing. Um, Alright well MJ the very last question that I wanted to ask you this is something i like to ask all my all my guests i i like being a little cliche um is if you could give your younger self any advice whether it be about any like personally professionally anything what would it be and why i would say don't think too far ahead <laughs> yeah so uh, i am the kind of person as you know that i i'm certainly a planner and i'm always thinking you know 10 steps ahead 10 years ahead and trying to you know map out my future as, as best I can in the in the professional sense and um, I think there's some importance to that but I think it's also you know important to just kind of go with roll with the punches sometimes and not worry too much about what comes next and really focus on the present moment and um, you know extract as much value from every opportunity as you can and, and not think too much about you know, the, the means to the end and just focus on the means. That's, that's again, really, really well said, MJ. And um, before we, we wrap, actually wrap up the podcast, the other thing I always like to do with my guests is um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of really bad jokes. Um, so I'm going to share one with you. And I, I found one in honor of you liking to travel so much. I found a, a travel theme joke. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's see if you can get this. Which type of traveler is the most calm? And which type of traveler is the most calm? Oh no, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> the nomad. Oh. <laughs> I know it's bad. It's bad. I know. 
classic. Oh, classic man. oh man, oh man. All right, well, MJ, thank you so, so much for, for being on the, the, the podcast. I, I know I had a great time chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I know a lot of people listening to this will, I, I hope at least one person will, will derive some sort of benefit from learning from your experience. So thank you, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. All right, Thanks guys. for having me. Absolutely. And with that said, guys, we'll see you in the next one. If you'd like to get in touch and don't feel like using too many characters, tweet at this underscore lens. Now, if you feel like checking out some pretty pictures while you're at it, jump into the DMs on IG, Instagram at look underscore in the lens. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, just to name a few. Whether you're an Androidian or an Apple lover, this podcast does not discriminate. This episode was sponsored by Late Night Edits, Sugar Fueled Brain Blast, Drained Headphone Batteries, and listening to the same section of an audio file so many times you have the words down by heart.